and this is episode 33, Ooh. which is the magic number, and I have someone here in the uh, studio today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Dustin. Dustin, y'all, y'all already know who Dustin is because you've heard me talk about him before. He is one of the original producers of the Oddly Adulting podcast, and he is also my brother. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you for being here, especially since we have like 30, how old are you? 35. 35 years of history that precluded this episode, so things could have gone really poorly and we never would have wanted to be in a room together, so glad things turned out well. <laughs> yes. At least I think they did. Mm-hmm, I do. Am I am I an okay sister? You're a good sister. You can say if I'm not. No, yeah, I only have two options, and we're both good. Okay. <laughs> we have a, our younger sister, Lauren. She was actually here. So we are, um, at this very moment, we are at um, a lake house at an undisclosed location. Not a bunker, but um, we every year on Father's Day, we go with our side of the family to this lake house, and this was the, this was the 12th. The 12th year we've done the trip and the 11th year that we've been at this particular house. So um, we're set up in one of the rooms at the lake. And um, actually when when I did the podcast with Dad, we were at a lake. We were at the, yeah, at Thanksgiving when we tried that um, Thanksgiving lake trip. So this is a cool coincidence. So, oh, why did I say all that? Oh, because we were going to try and get Lauren on the podcast with us, but she was kind of squirrely to leave this morning so she has twin babies and apparently it's like all about timing with when you have twins you have to do everything at the same time otherwise you have double the workload so they had just fed both the babies and they were like you know what let's go so they piled them up and they left so anyway we are here and um we talked a little bit about what we're going to talk about have you there are a lot of options there are a lot of options so uh, one of the things we, which I didn't bring up again, but the last time we talked about podcasting, we were talking about maybe chatting about your patent. We can do that. And the fact that you did like hear about the patenting process. So we talked about a couple different things. So Dustin is a patented in, wait, is that, am inventor. I saying that right? An inventor and a patent holder. Multiple patent holder. Multiple patent holder. And he's also an Tell us what your job is so I don't say it wrong. Okay. So it depends on what time of the day, and it depends on which decade, because I tend to switch careers like every 10 years. So, <laughs> I do the same. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> Keep it lively. Uh, I'd probably have a lot more money if I'd stick with something, but you know, who needs that? So I am a bread man, and I would mention the company I work for, but they don't claim me, so I'm not going to claim them, because they don't deserve it. That's fair. So... Early morning, my job is to deliver deliver bread to grocery stores, and in the afternoon, I sell used car parts on eBay, and then just as an, on an ongoing basis, I'm working on a new product, which is why I have the patents, which is just a big money pit, really. <laughs> I, I either have three or four patents, I can't remember, because every... About every year I get one, and I just throw it in this file. I have actually have a file folder that says that says uh, Project Y Patents, which is what the original name of my product was, like from six years ago. We called it Project Y, not because it 
<clears throat> well, not because it has anything to do with Y, but because it came after X, which was a which was a lawnmower turned into a pressure washer that you could ride oh, yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. <clears throat> yep. And it worked, but you know, I don't know. It's all very complicated. You've been you've been inventing things like I can just I can remember when you were a kid, you were always well well, I remember playing Legos together. And so like I would just be over here struggling to build like <laughs> something with four walls, you know, like cuz back in the 80s, they didn't have um well, you've seen the the stuff that my kids get like for every holiday. They didn't have Lego friends back then, and so they now you can buy all these cutesy little kits that it makes a little, you know, Stephanie's house or whatever. So, but they didn't have that back when we were kids. It was all, it was open. I mean, really, like, well, I don't remember buying a kit Legos. ever. It was just like, here's Legos, you know, bricks. And so, um, so I'd be like struggling to make something. I was always trying to make like a house or something with four walls and Dustin would be making like. A spaceship. Yeah. Something, something way, way, way above my skill level. Um, I was trying to think of like, well, I was thinking back. Okay, because I was going to think about from our childhood. <laughs> I have a good story. Okay, good. <laughs> but one of the things, so my kids love to hear me tell stories. They're like, tell us a story about your childhood. Tell us a story about you and daddy. Tell us a story about Uncle Dustin. And so the story I told them just recently, remember how mom used to let us have those Friday night sleepovers? So in our house growing up, for the majority of the time that we were growing up, we lived in the same house. Um, we lived there for about like... So almost 10 years. Bandness. Yeah, yeah, almost 10 years. And Dustin had a room downstairs, and then upstairs there was two bedrooms. Well, there was the master bedroom and the two other bedrooms. So me and my sister were upstairs, and then he was down. He had a room downstairs. So on Friday nights, Mom would let me sleep in his room, and we called it a sleepover, and he had a little black and white TV that we could play Nintendo on. Mm -hmm. I remember playing Zelda. So we had the <laughs> Zelda game, and you get about three-quarters of the way through the game, and there was a level that was... That was supposed to be like in caves, and because it was a black and white TV, yeah. <laughs> you couldn't get past the level because everything like you would just occasionally see like something white. <laughs> right, I can remember remember like Duck Hunt. the 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 skill level for <laughs> required for Duck Hunt was low on a color TV, right? but on a black and white TV, <laughs> you were aiming at beaks. <laughs> so yeah, so we would have uh, Friday night sleepovers, and we would watch. Shows or movies, could we get TV on that thing? I don't think so. I don't. I don't remember. We would watch something on the TV, or we would play Nintendo games, and then she would buy us special snacks and sodas. And I always got grape soda, and you always got I don't remember cream soda. Cream soda. Yeah. There we and go. so the girls are like, "Why don't you buy us cream soda?" And I'm like, "It was the '80s. We were allowed to eat trash." <laughs> Now I can't, or people will think I'm a bad parent. <laughs> so, you have a story? I do have a story from the, from the same house. Go for it. So, I don't know if you'll remember this or not. Um, I, don't, I don't remember how old I was. Probably like 10 years old, maybe 12 years old. Definitely not old. How old was I when we moved out of there? Um, I was driving, so you were like 14. Okay, it was way before that. I could have been eight years old. I, I, I don't remember. I, we can get you a clarification in the future. I may remember when I start hearing this story. So, um, InventHelp is a company that a super overpriced, uh, just, it's basically a scam. 
Um, <laughs> I could go into the numbers, but it's basically a scam. But they claim to be able to to uh, you know submit your idea, and they'll help you you know get your idea patented or oh, trademarked, okay. and put it all together and pitch it to companies and theoretically make some money off of it. So I I got one of their junk um, like submission. Uh, Mailers pa- or packets. whatever. Packets, yeah. It was yeah. like a it was like a whole packet from Invent Help, and I I I used to you know sketch out things you know quote unquote invent things like my whole life, and I had a what I still think is a good idea, but a design for a space station that uses like centrifugal force, kind of like an O'Neillian space uh, like free space. Um, spacecraft that would give you artificial gravity from spinning and so i i took this invent help packet and <laughs> i filled the whole thing out like i had graph paper yeah, and like you were serious like it was yeah i still have it i've, <laughs> I've come across it through the years just in you know some old box and so i i took it and i managed to somehow i, I guess it was pre-stamped because i mean they make tens of thousands of dollars off of every person nobody ever gets a patent do they is that because they just steal your idea? No, they don't want to steal your idea. They're in the business of making money off of like the engineering side, okay. and they're there to they Developer they will do the work for you. Gotcha. Um, but since nineteen, I think in nineteen eighty or nineteen seventy eight, you can you can look up Invent Help and the success rate. Something like nine hundred thousand customers have used them mm-hmm. and have paid them at least five grand a piece and mm-hmm. that's for nothing that's for just something on a computer or on paper and since since they began they uh, something like 32 products have ever reached market <laughs> and something like two of them ever made money out of a mil- like out of almost a million? one million so <laughs> so they just make their money off of wow charging you because every inventor thinks that oh I, this is a great idea i could use this so clearly everyone could so i submitted this packet and and they responded back and i remember mom i think it was mom that opened it up she was like eight thousand dollars because they had come back with a proposal to to develop, do, to develop it or to, to do a, an engineering write-up for it and that that was it, but it was pretty surprising to to her for sure. So that is a way better that is a way better use of your time um, than what I did, which was I read one of those junk mail things for like the recipe of the month club right. and filled it out and mailed it back in. And so every month for over a year, I got recipe cards from like Betty Crocker or somewhere, <laughs> and I had this whole like and I'm like ten, you know. <laughs> And I had this whole, like, they sent me, like, a three-ring binder, and it had dividers and all these things. And I was just like, wow, this is so cool. They send me recipes every month, and I'm just filing them away. <laughs> and then um, I come home from school one day, and Dad is like, Lindsay, come in here. I need to have a talk with you. And I'm like, okay, what did I do? You know, what did I do, Dad? And he's like, do you have any idea why I'm getting letters from a recipe of the month club saying they're turning me over to collections? And I'm like, what? Wow. <laughs> so apparently... You were supposed to pay. It was like a monthly. It was like a publisher's Yeah, it was like a like, monthly like, get two free CDs and exactly. then promise you'll buy 12. And so I wasn't reading, like every every month when they mailed me whatever, I like, I guess I was opening the envelope, pulling the recipe cards out and just chunking the rest of it in the trash. And every month it was a bill. <laughs> <laughs> no. no 
that was confounding. So I, I maybe ruined dad's credit. I don't know. No, I'm sure that's not what happened, but I'm pretty sure he had to pay somebody to get out of that. But I was like, Oh my, oh, my bad. <laughs> uh, I think those are actually very, both good uses of. Well, yeah. better than, um, I mean, what else could we have been doing as children of the, hmm. we were, well, we were children of the eighties, but the nineties, what are the, what is that saying? The eighties made. 80s baby, but the 90s made me. Oh. That's us. Yeah. We're, we're kids sure. of the 90s. So you grew up in the 80s and the 90s. You're an inventor now. Um, what's another major thing that has like, can you feel the lead in? Can so you feel the setup? What's oh, another yeah. major thing that has contributed to making you who you odd? are Odd? Making me odd? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Maybe the fact that I have Tourette's syndrome. That could do it. Which is... Uh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think it's, um, not very widely known about, yeah, I don't know that, I don't know that if that's cussing. Yeah. Everybody. So, so Tourette's is what? So a neurological disorder in which you're, so you're born with certain amounts of chemicals in your brain that your brain uses to like, for example, dopamine is what Tourette's syndrome is or mostly is. I have too much dopamine. It's, it overflows. Uh, so dopamine obviously is one of the three chemicals in the pleasure center of your brain. So in theory, I have a higher set point for happiness because I'm chemically imbalanced. But w what your brain also uses dopamine for is is regulating um, the the like neurological system. So like when you when you say I'm gonna clench my fist, your brain sends dopamine to the um, like through through your spinal cord mm -hmm. and 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 it actually that's actually the mechanism for telling your muscles to move through your nerves and if it's overflowing because humans are pattern seeking animals it has to be used somehow like it's going to be used somehow so okay. you see there like energy has to have somewhere to go right like, like if, if you have if it's if your dopamine's overflowing then you're going to have ticks they call them ticks i never liked that but and it's not tick like T I C K, not like what's out in the woods. Right. It's T I C. Yes, and so that is manifested either physically or mentally because your brain, as you think, uh, as you do like mental processes, that also uses the, uses the same system um, to make that happen. So, so in my experience, what a what I, what I found growing up was I either had physical tics where I would, you know, I would just be twitchy. Like you typically it's major muscle groups where you tense something up. People are pretty familiar, even, even though it's very uh, kind of like unknown or vague, uh, disorder. People know about like facial tics and stuttering. So those are physical tics, but a mental tic and, and what I would have, I don't know if it's everybody with Tourette's, but cause there's so few of us. Um, but what I would have is for some period of months, typically, like when I was younger, it was a shorter period of time. So maybe for three months at a time, approximately, I would have physical tics where I would, you know, just be twitchy. I would just do the same thing over and over again. The only one I ever remember you doing is like, uh, like reaching for a doorknob. Yeah. Having to yeah. like tap it first and then turn it. Or when I played when I played t-ball when I was little, I would like every ten steps I would reach down and touch the ground, and it's because it makes you feel better. It's because you gotta have somewhere to. It has to put be. You have to use. You have to use that dopamine. It's coming out anyways. So you're, 
and because we're pattern seeking, you do the same thing mm-hmm. over and over again. Um, so it would either be it would go in go in like three month stages where I would have physical ticks, and then for three months I'd have mental ticks, which as a kid for me sometimes manifested as as badly because it was not it was very uncomfortable but i would have open eye visuals so i i could for a period of time i and you can't forget it once you've had this i every time i closed my eyes uh one time i would see a mary a marionette i mean just like a hundred like with a black background a marionette on string You you know you see the strings you see the marionette jumping around uh with music behind it like like and it was so it was so clear that if I closed my eyes, it would drown. The noise would drown out what was around me. You could be talking to me, mm-hmm. I would never hear you. Um, you can you can you can manipulate this. Um, so like fast forward to middle school, I remember being in a typing class at um, the middle yeah, and high school, school we went to, mm-hmm. and it was very boring. Um, and because it's something you just do over and over again, I got pretty good at it. And so I would just be typing away and I could literally get, you know, a, a song will get stuck in your head. Mm-hmm. So I would have a song stuck in my head. Um, I could actually pull a song up in my head to where it's just kind of in the back, you know, you, you, it's there, but mm-hmm. it's not clear. And I could turn the volume up and drown the whole, drown everything out. And it was stereo. It was like I wow. had headphones on. Um, so I could actually run playlists in my head. And people would be talking, Dustin, Dustin, hello, Dustin. And I, ha- I literally would turn a knob down in my visual field and say, what? What is it? What do you want? Okay, no, I'm good. I'm ahead of everybody else. And then crank it back up. Um, but it's few and far between when you the instances where it was a positive thing. Yeah, I was going to say... Mostly it was an I was going to say, that thing. sounds really cool, like, to think that you come with your own, you know, like, iPod, like, mental iPod, but um, I would think that it would present more ch- more challenges. But you know what? I was As I was listening to you tell about that, it, I was thinking about... I don't know if you've heard this, but now nowadays... Okay, so, like, you're very intelligent. It, have you ever done an IQ test? No. Is it, is, I bet it's pretty high up there. I don't know. But I did to, good on the SA. I got to a be able to state do all honor of in the, the SAT in seventh grade. You did so what? I got a state honor for a... I got a 500 in verbal on the, on the old SAT uh-huh. that was harder yeah. in seventh grade. Me And I was, I, was, oh, yeah? I was at the bottom of my class because I just had... Right. Yeah, because of I attention had, deficit yeah, or whatever. Yeah, I had, I had no desire to be present in class. So I would just do the, the minimum possible to pass things but so me myself and the three like in seventh grade these were probably the best students in class that mm-hmm. also scored very high mm-hmm. um, and we went and took the i mean we, there it was from one of the aptitude tests mm-hmm. um the scores from that you got invited to go to actually go to a college campus and take oh, okay. the actual sat yeah. mm-hmm. and um and i scored a 500 on the verbal and a 430 on math, which I never was good at math because I just didn't care. <laughs> That's almost, a, <laughs> I and, think I only got like a 450 on it when I took it in right? 11th grade <laughs> and, and, in math. <laughs> and then the same three students, when I, I graduated with them, the people in our school, it was a private school and they, they typically went all the way through. Um, there were only 82 students in my class as a senior mm-hmm. as I was about graduating. And the three students that that were with me on the SAT thing were one was one was valedictorian, and the other two were whatever the next level salutatorians. salutatorians. They were they were Coast the three top from seventh grade to twelfth grade. They stayed at the very top of the class. I graduated 
80 or 81 out of 82 <laughs> and everyone in the class got what was what's that grant it's not pell it's um, what's hope the, Every single person in the right. class got hope because you, they just would not allow you to not do well. Yeah. Well, that's because, like, especially when we were going through that school, our parents were paying for us to be there to get a private school college prep diploma. And so in, that's what you got. And in, in my <laughs> they case, they were they were paying $40 per Saturday for me to be in Saturday school oh, because, yeah, that's right. because I could not remember to wear a belt. Right. And it was not, I did not do this on purpose. I, it was just some things because I had a, had a lot going on in my head. Yeah, like simple things would fall through the cracks and they'd get me in trouble. Now I was a class clown. I did a lot to my. I did a lot of it to myself, <laughs> but that's just a lot of that was the ADD. It wasn't malicious. I'm gonna tell another story on you in a second. Um, we talked about it last night or the night before, but I was what I was thinking about is that so back in okay so everybody everybody that listens to the podcast knows. I have an education degree and I was a teacher for a short amount of time. So I have very limited experience and, and most of it is outdated even to this even to this point that I'm about to talk about. But um, when we were going through school, there was really not a lot of like, like special education was for like people who had deficits, you know, like a learning disorder right. or, um, but not like attention deficits, just like people who needed help to be able to be in a normal classroom or if, or maybe they weren't in a normal classroom because special ed was done so differently. So fast forward to now. So now what they have something that is called twice exceptional. And that's what you would be now. If you were going through school now, they would have figured out this kid is really smart. So he's gifted. He's, sh- you know, he should be able to perform at the level of these gifted students, but he's con- what we're going to consider twice exceptional because he also has this other thing going on, which prevents him from being able to do a mainstream right. performance level. So he's very smart, but he has Tourette's and it's preventing him from being able to sit in the class and stay, you know, stay in his desk. I mean, mom had to take you out of school because you had a teacher that wouldn't even let you stand next to your desk. Yeah. Like if you'd been able to just stand. And so now a kid like if, you, if I could have done now sit-ups you'd the be, whole time, I'd be you'd fine. be sitting on a ball. They'd bring in a, a, a ball <laughs> or they'd bring you like a, like a piece of sandpaper that you could like rub your hand on while you do this over here. Like they have really figured out they've done there. There's been a lot of progress that has been made today that a kid like you wouldn't have stick them on a treadmill. Yeah. Just like they have Anything. figured this out. They're like, okay, they need kinetic engagement so that that can like, Free up some mental space. Like for me, I, I just the Tourette's thing is a, it's an extra process that's going on, mm-hmm. and th- what makes it, the reason it's annoying is because voluntary things become involuntary, and involuntary things become voluntary. This maybe the scariest tick that I ever had was I woke up one day and breathing was voluntary. Oh no! And I literally had to think about, think breathing. about breathing, like. For weeks. That would be terrifying. And you think that, you know, they say, oh, like, you'll you'll breathe before you pass out. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not if you have Tourette's syndrome and your tick is breathing. Mm-hmm. If, if breathing has become voluntary, I mean, you'll, I, I, would, I would be about to pass out. And it wasn't my body that, my body didn't, probably if I passed out, my body would have kicked in subconsciously. Like, I'm, sh- I'm sure it would. But... I don't think that no. when, I don't think that, like I was saying, I don't remember, I knew you stuttered, and I knew you had Tourette's, because like, mom and dad were like, Dustin has Tourette's, okay. Which but they didn't know forever. They didn't, it took them a long, long time, because they took you to like, speech therapy, mm-hmm. and then like, was, this those, and that. 
so kind of took, a big waste of time. Yeah, it took a long time to get you diagnosed. And so then once you got diagnosed, they were like, okay, now what? And they were like, good luck. They're like, Here's <laughs> some uh, medication for, <laughs> right. bl- for blood pressure. Try this. And, and so work. I think I, what I recall more is just that you... I think most people that would remember you from being a kid, I don't think they would remember you as like a twitchy kid. I think they'd remember you as a funny kid. And so or a stutterer. Or, or maybe a stutterer, maybe a stutterer. but... Uh, but when it but so in school you would get in trouble for being like class clown and stuff and so I, <laughs> I was remembering the other night that okay so we went to private school and they were very and it was private Christian school so it was very much like you know not only did you have to follow the rules and you had to follow the dress code and you couldn't like swear at school or you could you know like there was all of these types of things but also you know you were kind of supposed to be like serious about stuff you know, almost like, almost catholic yeah like they would spank you there was yeah. a period of time where you would get spanked <laughs> so like class clowny behavior was was not okay but so dustin <laughs> dustin told started telling everybody that he had made up a new word and the <laughs> and the word was probe and he was like Hey, you want to hear the cool new word I made up? Probe. And we're all like, Dustin, that's not a new word. Like, you didn't make that up. He's like, yes, I did. Yes, I did. And so, <laughs> so, so what he was doing was he was telling everyone. And so because he was like really, really sure or trying to convince us, I still, to this day, neither of us know the truth, whether it was, did, did you really think you made it up? Because he, he made the point. He's like, well, lots of people might have the same idea and not know that other people had that idea. So in so it's true that you did come up with that idea. You don't know there's someone on the other side of the world. So if he didn't know that the word probe was a real word, he really was convinced that he had made it up. <laughs> so, so he was determined to use this word as much as possible. And then <laughs> somehow you started working in like a like a finger like not a birdie because you weren't you weren't you right. couldn't flip the bird at school. Yeah. So he started flipping his pinky finger. I'm pretty sure is something in and, sign language. Yeah, but and I don't saying know. probe, probe, <laughs> and so he got in so much. I mean, oh, he yeah, was we, constantly in trouble for. And my group of friends, probing. of course, were goofballs <laughs> like me, and so we would literally they they would like make announcements to our entire class, and sometimes more than the class. That words were off. Were yeah, no. Were the like word you probe will get a, now. <laughs> you will get a reprimand if you use the word probe or ma was another ma, one. Oh yeah, because it was muh, yeah. yeah. So we would use ma like ma, like just. And by the way, a reprimand that is a that was an actual slip of paper. So that's what they called our disciplinary actions. It was called reprimands, and it was like a half size sheet of paper. And it was in triplicate. And so all the teachers had a stack of reprimands on their desk. And they could write, they would fill it out. And then there was some some form of like tearing it off and having to take it to the office for mm-hmm. the secretary to log your reprimand. And it was it was either six or seven gave you a Saturday school. And that took me until like Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> I never did get Saturday school. I got threatened with Saturday school one time. Um, the first year that I went to school there, so when I was, I started at that school in seventh grade, but you and Lauren were at another school still. So I was the only one at school there for, I think, maybe two years. And then it was your turn to come up. And then eventually Lauren came up. So in seventh, the first year that I was in seventh grade, um, it was a very bad year. It was the worst. It was the worst year. No, it was the second worst year of school for me because sixth grade was the absolute worst year. And I was still in public school in sixth grade. And so I think that ha- the, the sixth grade being so bad, I think that's what pushed mom and dad into sending me to private school 
Because right. sixth grade, they were like, oh, if she keeps going down this path, it's going to be bad. Because in sixth grade, to do to follow Bunny Trail. So I was, at a, I was at this public school. I'd gone all the way through public school and never had any trouble. I was like, like, um, teacher's pet, you know, like all of that, brown nose or whatever. And so sixth grade was the first year of middle school. And I was like so excited about middle school, you know, can't wait to move up and like be one of the big kids in middle school. And I'm just going to totally ace this or whatever. And then... We got to middle school, and the school building was completely over population. Like, they had built it for however many students, and they were now, like, 100 students per grade over. And so right. they had dropped a bunch of trailers on the property. That's and the they worst. were And they were like, okay, half of each grade, or two classes per grade are going to have to be in a trailer. And for those two, and the best part about middle school that I was so excited about was getting to like, you were going to have a different teacher for every subject and you'd get to move around. And it was one of those schools that had been built whenever it was popular to do the pods. I remember that school. I know what you're talking about. And so it was like open concept. And so there was like the sixth grade pod and none of the, none of the classrooms had doors on them. And some of them just had like half walls and you were supposed to be, it was kind of like population and you had your pod and whatever. Yeah. I didn't get that. I got to be in the trailer and the trailer was two classrooms and we never got to leave except to go to the lunchroom and like PE and my teachers were Mr. Carson (laughs) I hated that guy so bad Mr. Carson and he was on the verge of retiring or had maybe already retired and come back and he was like former military and he had a lazy eye (laughs) (laughs) and he would he would point at you. He would do this weird, like, with his elbow real high in the air. And he would he would point at you. And then he'd look at you, but the one eye. <laughs> and you never knew if he was looking at you. And so you're, like, trying to follow his finger. But then you're trying to follow his eye. And he'd be, he'd be look at me. I said, look at me. Look at me. And you're like, first, am I looking at you? And so on, like, the second day of sixth grade, he's pointing at me and saying, look at me. And I'm not responding. He finally yells at me, and I'm like, I can't tell if you're looking at me. And he's like, office now. And I got sent to the office for the first time in my whole life, and I was like, this is the worst. I hate middle school. I hate sixth grade. I hate this teacher. I hate everything. And so for the rest of the year, it was not good. (laughs) I, I still did, like, I think my grades were still okay, but, I mean, that was a bad year. So... I got in trouble every time I went into the school building. Like, I pulled chairs out from under people at the lunch table and, like, tripped people during P.E. I mean, it was bad. This is why sometimes I look at my oldest child, and she's in sixth grade, and she's acting crazy. And I think to myself, okay, try and remember when you were in sixth grade. You got sent to the office so many times that your parents decided that they had to send you. That was almost certainly the only year school. you ever got in trouble. At it school. was. I mean, it really was. And so then the next year they sent me to private school, and it's a whole different thing. Which really, in a lot of ways, it really appealed to me because I really liked you the whole like structure. stringent, you yeah. know, structure and academic stuff and being a teacher's pet and all that stuff. But at the same time, it was, it was still different. So. If I if that transition was hard for me, I can imagine that it was probably not pleasant for you. Actually, so I, because I went from a church school. Oh yeah, you were at that really small. Yeah, from I went from fourth grade to sixth grade at a at a church based Christian school, and then out of a class of like twenty, maybe I graduated twelve or thirteen of those kids. 
at, mm-hmm. from uh, from the high school that we went to. Mm-hmm. So we we all our parents, you know, in the same area. Mm-hmm. They all like, kind of funneled oh, us into that yeah, bigger one. Into... It was the bigger. It was the only bigger school in the area, right. I think, because the school Chris went to, all the way through, was a small church school, right. and there were there were like I think he maybe had. 13 or 14 people in his graduating class. Wow, that's small. And he won um, best all-around personality. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was at the bottom. He wasn't the bottom of his class. There were some people who really, like, goofed off and never did any school at all, but school academics was not the focus right. at their school. Not at all. So, <laughs> like, going through all of that, all of, the, all of your formative years, like, what have you figured out works to get, like, for you to manage so there's a couple things a couple helpful things that that i don't know that a lot of people are aware of i don't even know if it, if it's in the literature um there are there's a lot of medication that that does help but the problem is that it it also takes away your um creativity um so like clonopin um and the it has been around for a long time which people are like, oh my gosh clonopin i think it, from what i understand people people abuse that as a street drug but i don't know why because i mean i mean obviously having had a ha- having had something where you where you need a medication mm-hmm. is different from like oh it makes me feel good like i i actually recently got off my medication um because the only reason I was still on anything was I don't care about the the ticks they don't they don't bother me and obviously well I, I don't the care what ticks. yeah I don't care what people think about how I look and and you you kind of grow out of some people quote unquote grow out of Tourette syndrome and my theory on that is that I know for a fact that it was worse when I was a kid and it got it got less bad the older I got. But I believe it's because the heavier you get and the bigger your body and the larger your nervous system, the overflowing dopamine is more evenly dispersed. There's less of it over less of it overflowing or more of an or a larger nervous system to absorb the amount that that overflows. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that I think that that is why some people into a, into early adulthood grow out of it, at least to some extent. Um, and of course it varies how badly I, I didn't have it. I didn't have a bad case of Tourette syndrome. It wasn't, it wasn't debilitating. Sometimes it's debilitating for people. But one thing that I found just on my own was, so I, I referenced that we're pattern seeking animals and that's, that's why pe- people with, uh, with Tourette syndrome, they twitch and, and they'll follow the same pattern for sometimes months or years. Well, because you're pattern seeking, you can you can manipulate that. You can control that. So let's say you have a facial tick that, especially Tourette's, is, is worse for girls than boys because because of the social implications. Because you know, looking like a weirdo or or stuttering is is just worse socially for girls than boys. Um, but what what you can do? Let's say you have a facial tick where you're just squinting your eye and you just do it. You can't you can't help it. You have to do it. It makes you feel better for a few seconds and then it builds up and it builds up and then you have to do it again. Well, what you can do is if you focus, if you sat down with a kid that has Tourette syndrome and they've got a facial tick and you say, put your hands out in front of you and you say, okay, um, take your right hand and, and clench, make a fist and let it go. Make a fist, let it go. Make a fist, let it go. If you can get them to do that for about 60 seconds, 
that's their tick. They no longer have the facial tick. Or if they still do, then you go to a larger muscle group. You say, okay, let's isolate your bicep or your shoulder or something in your back or your or your uh, your glutes or any any large muscle group that that is less obvious to people. Like, so you can still ha- you can you can literally change your tick in a matter of about sixty to ninety seconds. Um, so that's what I would do because if you if you have any any physical tick it. It, it makes you super super sore because you're oh, ju- right. you're just tensing a muscle like, up. Yeah, over it'd be like and over using one of those little. Well, you said that thing about like making a fist. It'd be like using one of those hand. Yeah, clencher for things. three months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so once it, once if your tech is either obvious and and socially annoying to you, uh, you switch it to something where like uh, tensing up your toes or your or your your foot. Or your calf. Your calf's a good one. Mm-hmm. The the larger, the worse the physical tick is, the larger the muscle you have to switch it to. Um, but you can do it. You can absolutely do it, and it works. And you'll be surprised. And then once once that muscle starts getting tired, you just you just consciously transfer it. Make yourself have a tick over and over again to some other muscle, and it will switch over because it's accomplishing what your bot what your brain needs to do with that extra chemical and that's not that's something you figured out that's not something i have never read nobody that. like you didn't get like nope. therapy not, for that no because the the only real therapy i had was the speech therapy which s- appeared to work it probably did make some difference mm-hmm. but it works in it, it, the reason that it does the reason that it doesn't really do everything. See, I didn't ha- have a speech impediment. I had Tourette syndrome. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I was a stutterer, but not because I couldn't form sentences or whatever the issue is with people with like just a speech impediment. Mm-hmm. So you get in a closed, uh, you know, a closed session with where it's everything's calming and it's quiet, or there's some background noise, and it's like, oh, it's so surprising. Wow, Dustin doesn't stutter anymore. Uh-huh. Well, of course I don't because. Because the Tourette's is, it's it's the worst when you are stressed out, when you're under stress, or when you are, well, okay, it, it's ba- mostly it's when you're very stressed out. So then, would so, learning something new be a stressor? Um, it depends. It it could be if if it's mentally taxing. Like, it could be, <laughs> especially but, if like you're sitting in speech therapy and like, and today we're gonna learn. Blah. Yeah, the problem is that I don't know in, anything about speech therapy though, so I don't know what they do. Oh, you they like lay, you like lay down on your Dawn, lay down on your email me and tell me what speech therapists do. The the thing that I remember was uh, that you, the, okay, lay it down on your back, and we're going to put a book on your stomach, and you focus oh, on your breathing, okay. and mm-hmm. so like oh wow yeah it's so good. So then as a, like my graduating from speech therapy. Um, what we what what we did is we went to McDonald's and I was gonna order something, and all wow. of a sudden I was not in a in a calming environment, right. it's like and loud. I was a mess. You're having to like read the menu, yeah. and there's other people, and I'm in line, and there's oh, pressure gosh. to get it out. I'm like, <laughs> so it didn't work. But the on the flip side, one strange thing that I, that is definitely is definitely definitely true. So. I, I was always, you know, my mom as a kid, your mom's around, you know, hopefully a lot. Um, ours was. Ours was. Smother mother. mother. <laughs> <laughs> She's great. And because you get so comfortable with somebody, your mom or somebody else, I also would tick the worst around my mom 
because I knew that she didn't judge me. Yeah, you were relaxed. Because I was super relaxed. So mm-hmm. either very stressed out or very relaxed, which doesn't make logical sense. Mm-hmm. But I, but I mean, I think like what you were... Definitely it makes Yeah, it does. Because mentally you... Well, it's not the same, but in a... In a doesn't make logical sense, but is true way. I mean, who are, who are we the meanest to? Like when we're in a bad mood, like our family. You right. know, like when I'm in a bad mood, I'm the meanest to Chris because <laughs> I know he's not going to dump me because I'm having a bad day. Right. You know, and so it's like that doesn't make logical sense, but in a in your mental state, there's a baseline of knowing like I can I can be crappy right, right. now, and there's no consequence. Like I'm not. No one's gonna. He's not gonna leave me because I had a bad day. Yet that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> well, you'd see it. You'd see something <laughs> Hopefully, coming. I'd see it coming. Yeah. I don't know. He's kind of. A, I feel like he because he's a quiet man. I feel like there's a like. He'll I have, just pop I his have actually. I have actually thought about the fact that like, and Dad told me when we were right after Chris asked him if we could get married, and Dad like gave his blessing and everything. Dad came to me and he was like, Lindsay, you need to know something. That man really loves you. He would walk across hot coals for you. So. Don't push him. <laughs> and I was like, okay, good to know. But I didn't really understand that until a long time later. And I thought, yeah, I can kind of see where maybe like if years and years and years went by where I was just like not great. And he was great, suppressing, and he, he was and suppressing, he was suppressing it. Animus. Then maybe like all of a sudden one day he'd be like, bye. <laughs> like he wouldn't do anything petty. He wouldn't like throw my stuff in the front yard and light it on fire before he left. He'd just be like, I'm out. Bye. So I, can't, I try and keep that filed away. So, what is the what is the worst thing that someone can do for a person with Tourette's? They can and, act like my grandfather did. Yeah, and be like, "Oh, calm down, breathe in, can't take a breath." Yeah. So my grandfather was a terrible human being. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Who I managed to love dearly because he was nice to me. He's he was a scam artist. Yeah. He he definitely scammed you into loving him. So we. I obviously stuttered, which was obvious, and I think that, was that the main thing that he would get on to me, or just twitching? I think just twitching. I think he just, uh, I feel like the stuttering was what I remember him saying, like, take a breath, or slow down. No, he'd say stop it. He'd What he would do is he would, like, slap me and say, stop it, stop Uh it. Like, every time I would, so he would, he would perpetuate my anxiety. Right. So we would literally be, the whole family would be sitting around the breakfast table at my grandparents' house, and... If I would twitch or stutter or anything, he would just like look straight at me or or like push me a little bit. Just stop it, stop it. Like every time, every time I did it, I'm thinking, you a hole. If I could stop this, do you think that? Do you think I want to do this? I would stop it. So they should. So the worst thing would be to point it out, to harp on it, to and 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 try and act like they can make you. They can. They can. Yeah, you can't affect change. It's. So the is on the flip side is the best thing would just ignore it probably just like just let it roll. Mm-hmm. I found out in middle school and elementary in elementary school who my true friends were because when I would get into a stressful situation, I remember being on being on field trips and just getting like very very stressed out or or anxious and then, and just not being able to get a sentence out at all like the, the entire time mm-hmm. and the the small group of people that would just just hang out with us and just kind of let it go and like it's okay it's dust and it's just how he is now the you you find out who your true friends are very quickly when you have a 
a, a socially right. awkward thing like that. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I hope that as a I hope that as a family unit, like for your immediate family, I hope it wasn't. I hope we weren't too bad on you. No, y'all were great. Was I good? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, speaking of family units, um, not only is today the magic number 33, episode 33, it's also Father's Day. Yeah. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Um, is this your second Father's Day or your third Father's this Day? This my second Father's Day. Well, wasn't... Well, is that because of the gestating year was year number one? Yeah, we or didn't count, count that. You didn't count that year? We definitely okay. didn't count that. So, how old is your son? Tell us about your son. I have a son. He's a he's a little toe-headed. He's toe-headed. Tell us what toe-headed means. We, I don't know. Learned, I still don't know. Every I day sort is a school know. day. Yesterday we were talking about this and we learned that it can mean... It's something about the, the manufacturing process for hemp and other... Because of the the, tass, the fibrous tassel or whatever is like gets, called the toe or something, and it's yeah. T O W, not T O E. Yeah, you should definitely look it up. There, there are a bunch of different explanations and definitions for why they call children or blonde blonde headed children toe headed, and you'll. We were saying you were saying, well, at least you could we could uh, get that answer right on Jeopardy. And then, but, and then and it's like, yeah, no, unless they're going like, by oh. the not the Oxford Dictionary or because there's so many different things. But anyway, that's so he's rabbit a little trail. toe head. He's a little toe head. He's he'll be uh, two years old in sept- early September. And what's he into? What are his favorite things right now? Oh, pushing oh. things around and like hugging puppies. Oh my and, gosh, he is precious with babies. Baby. Our sister's twins are six months old, and so they're not, like, moving around at all, so they're real, like, chill. They're just being held or laying around or whatever, and he just, he'll, like, play for a minute, and then he'll go and be like, babies, like, babies, and he just, like, the pets baby. them or, like, lays his head on their tummy, like, babies. He's so sweet. Mm-hmm. He is, I mean, he reminds me so much of you. We we still like do not let me forget. I'm going to make you guys do this. You have to find a piglet for him to hold and recreate that picture of you. My favorite picture of Dustin from his childhood. I have I might even have it with me because I think I use it as a as a bookmark in my Bible. Um, it's Dustin, and he's like probably three, and he's toe headed, hundred percent. And we're at the state fair or a fair, some kind of a fair, some some sort of something with a petting zoo. And he's dirty, like he's been. <laughs> he looks like his face looks like he's been eating funnel cakes all day, and then he went and played in the petting zoo. And so he's like dirty from ear to ear, and he's holding this pig, like, and he's so excited about the pig. And the pig has just like a slightly open mouth, like it's saying, like, help me. <laughs> Make this kid put me down. Oh my goodness, it's so cute. So I told Dustin when when his son was born and it was obvious that he was going to be his little twin, I was like, all right, there's a picture of you that in about two years we have to recreate. So the fall, hopefully we can have some fairs mm-hmm. um, in the fall. So in the fall, that's your, I mean, your assignment. Wow, We're in Georgia. Corona. Would be, everyone would be, what, what virus? <laughs> This is where I lose half your audience. <laughs> and look at the time. <laughs> what? Just so, <laughs> to, yeah. but you I don't know if you have, want to segue into my well, bread. Well, you know what? We have time for that because, uh, I mean, it would be an interesting perspective because I am not, you know, I'm not gainfully employed 
on a full-time basis out in the world. My, if I'm going out and showing houses or whatever, it's like, I'm not seeing the slice of, the slice of life. Oh my gosh, what a good pun. Oh no. Segway, bread man in a pandemic. Yeah. What (laughs) pandemic? Tell us a slice. Great. So, yeah, I've been delivering bread five days a week through uh, the whole uh, quote-unquote pandemic, right? So, I know that people have died. I know people die of all kinds of stuff. And um, so, I don't want to minimize that. I am going to make people mad for sure because some people just like to get mad. I do it sometimes myself. So, I've been delivering to 12 or 13 grocery stores. Um, Not all five days a week, but I see them all two or three times a week. And there is no one missing from these stores. Nobody. Like, you mean employees or Empl- customers? Employees. employees. Nobody. Because you're Nobody. familiar with all the employees at yes, this point. Yes, young, old. There's we got people in their 70s that bag groceries, right? We wore no masks and no gloves until about a month ago when the cor- when when uh, the different corporate entities decided you know, like just because they don't want the liability of you know some customer getting sick and saying, well, I was at Kroger or Publix, mm-hmm. and you know so they're so they're requiring their employees to wear masks and some have face shields and some have gloves. The same people that didn't wear any protective anything through the entire thing. I mean, it's virtually over. It it is. Um, no one's missing. Nobody. I've heard of two people that that tested positive and were forced not to come to work. And that's it. We're talking about like a thousand people. Yeah. Probably a thousand workers. Nobody's sick. Nobody's missing. And it seems like that would be a pretty, I mean, because you're, that's the, the general public. Oh, as soon as things shut down. That you're interacting down, with every single day. But even, but, but, but even, it's even worse because when everything else shut down and people got stir crazy, the only place to go was a grocery store. That's true. And you know what? Another it, thing. It was ridiculous. This is some. This is why uh, during non-pandemic years, even like if I hear through the grapevine that there's like a flu outbreak because my kids don't get flu shots, um, if I hear that there's a flu outbreak in our county, I just like will kind of consciously not bring them with me to the grocery store and stuff because right. the grocery store has a pharmacy. Where do you go when you're sick? You go to the grocery store. You go right. get your saltines and your ginger ale and pick up your. Zycam and your uh, what's the stuff for the flu? Not Tamiflu. Uh, it's Tamiflu. Yeah, yeah. Tamiflu. you go get your Tamiflu. So in my in in my mind, I think the grocery store is where is where all the sick people are because they mm-hmm. or or if they have someone sick in their household, so, you know, mom has to go get the Pedialyte and the whatever. Right. So that has been a very interesting thing I, to I'm, consider. Like I have how never seen we, it busier I, I, for I, weeks and weeks and months. For months, the grocery store has been like ground zero for everybody. Mm-hmm. It, it was like a big joke around here because like, oh, nothing's open, nothing's open. Then you drive by a grocery store parking lot <laughs> oh, and you can't find a spot to park. Right. And I'm and so I, so me and the rest of the vendors and the rest of the people working in the grocery stores, we're there as like the entire population descends upon us in the middle of a quote unquote pandemic. And I am going to minimize it because it's a whole bunch of bull crap. <laughs> like it's a real virus. People got sick. People died. Governor Cuomo killed a bunch of people in nursing homes by sending COVID positive patients there. And like half of all deaths were in nursing homes in New York City. 
and somehow we're, the rest of us are responsible for losing our livelihoods. Not me, because I'm a bread man. But I didn't have I didn't have the option to not go to work. I all of a sudden had the it was required to sell twice as much bread, spend twice as much time in the grocery stores, and be around be like just be right at ground zero. And I can tell you, okay. So this is a question to ask to ask yourself that that just kind of points out the ridiculousness of this of the situation. How many grocery stores were shut down during the pandemic in the United States? I don't know of any. Zero. None did. Like no, no chain. Zero. No. no. I don't. None of the local chains did. I, I believe it was a. A presidential order or something where oh, yeah, he, right, right, where he said right, that like yeah. no grocery store will right, shut because down the, the, in, the, in the United States. The food chain um, or the what is the word? The distribution. Yeah, the distribution chain. Or... After the TP run started, I think he. It was very. Early. I gave our I gave our dad toilet paper for Father's Day. That was good. It was the good stuff. Charmin, That's mega rolls. I don't understand toilet paper math. I mean, I don't understand most math, most math, but how can six rolls of toilet paper equal 24 normal rolls? All the rolls of toilet paper in the store are the same size unless you buy the one that's like a dollar. I, I don't the know. pack that's like four, four for a dollar right. that have like seven sheets on it. I don't even know why they bother making those, but maybe there's something I don't understand. There's about a rounding paper. error in there somewhere. <laughs> so, okay, so back to that. So, so no grocery stores in the U.S. were closed down. Because of COVID, none. Now, had it been a, a actual serious situation with employees getting sick, they would have had to. Somewhere, 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 New York maybe, they would have had to. Now, how many stories have you heard on the news of grocery store employees coming down sick? Personally, none. Zero. I haven't found any, and I listen to news. I, I listen to uh, podcasts and, and new, live news and, and such, like eight hours a day because I'm just out. I don't want like talking to people. I just like doing my job and going home. So, okay. So no grocery stores were shut down in the U S and we, maybe there's one out there, but I haven't, I've been listening for it the whole time. I haven't heard of any news reports of groups of people working in grocery stores, getting sick. I've heard of two and one was actually not even a grocery store employee. It was a food pantry delivery guy. Okay. So, why I can answer I can answer the second question of why there are no no news reports of grocery store employees testing positive for COVID. They're not it's, testing anyone. It's the same reason that restaurants do not test their their employees, their cooks, and their servers, or anybody else. They don't do drug tests. Why don't oh, right, right. why don't restaurants test their employees? I know what you're about. To they say. they put signs up signs up all over the place that say drugs don't work, and that's cute. They don't do it for the same reason that you don't test employees at a grocery store for COVID, because you would not have any employees. <laughs> period. <laughs> if you think I'm wrong, go ask a restaurant a restaurant tour if they right. if they they may have in their. It, in their corporate bylaws that they do random drug testing. No, yeah, that's for the one methed out cook that they want to get rid of. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with their active employees that they want to keep. It's just, a, it's just there. It, it's it's optics and it's there so they can get rid of that one, the, the one guy that's clearly on heroin and needs to be gone, but they don't want 
to pay unemployment, you know, or, or, or whatnot. Like one of my friend's, uh, daughter has worked in, um, food service in the restaurant business for the last several years. And she's now out of work because of COVID because they had to lay off like most people cause they were only doing takeout. So they don't need waitresses. Right. And, um, she posted a meme a while back that said, the CDC, this, the CDC says that the, tri- the risk of transmission of COVID is low from places that make food because the standards are so much higher for their food prep in the, in the first place. And then she's like, and all the people that worked in food service said, and it's a picture of a person going, seriously, <laughs> like, <laughs> you think they're holding the standard really high? <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, I don't think I'd want to know the backstory. I just want to believe, I want to believe that my food... Is okay. When well, it come, nobody when it gets nobody to me. wants to see the sausage. sausage no, made. they really don't, and uh, that's why I don't make sausage or food. Yeah, Chris actually bought me a sausage grinder and, oh, a, yeah? meat, and a meat casing kit mm-hmm. for Mother's Day a few years ago. That's what a good gift. <laughs> I tried cooking a turtle, and oh yeah, how'd that, that go? It was gross. We didn't eat it. Oh my goodness, Dustin made us the best baby back ribs yesterday. We have, um, when we come on this lake trip, we, we trade off and everybody takes a meal. And so, um, he takes lunch on Saturday always. And usually we just do something easy like cold cuts and whatever. Right. But yesterday you, you brought the A game with the baby back rubs. Our sister was like, like, like standing over the tray, like <laughs> rubbing her hands together. Like, okay, when can we start eating? They said, she said they're, they're her favorite food in the world. So then... So these ribs were awesome. So we all enjoyed. There was absolutely no leftovers. So then I was super was four, nervous. Four racks of ribs. Four racks of ribs. No leftovers. And um, I, so then that made me super nervous when it was my turn to make dinner because every year for the last like six years, uh, we've done a low country boil. And I'm going to use this to this second to make a shout out. Happy birthday, Nazreen. Today is Nazreen's birthday. Um, I think she's 39, 39 and feeling fine. Way to go. Flirty nine and feeling fine. Way to go. Yeah. And, um, she, uh, six years ago I was visiting her in Baltimore and I had my first, um, crab feast and I just enjoyed the process of just like, you just sit and you just pick crabs. And I, I mean, I probably sat at the table and ate for like two hours straight and I don't know how many crabs I ate. It was a lot. But I enjoyed it so much that while I was sitting there at the table, I was saying, we don't really have anything like this. And then I was like, no, wait, no, people who are actually from the South, which I, we are from the South, like, cause by virtue of the fact that we grew up in the South, but our mom is not from the South. She is from Minnesota. So she has a lot of like Yankee traditions that maybe we don't know are Yankee traditions, but so we don't, we didn't have a natural um, not a, like a deep south. Yeah, like we're fried, not we right. Like, right. Mom didn't make fried and chicken. And we don't. We never drink sweet tea in right. our house. Like there was never any. Like, so in fact, my friends have banned me from making sweet tea because they say I make Yankee tea because it's not sweet enough. What? A- apparently, you're supposed to put four cups of sugar oh, per so, pitcher. Oh, my wife can do that. Of sweet to make sweet tea, and I, I the most I can do is two, and then I'm like in a diabetic coma. And so uh, the, uh, eventually, my friends diabetic were like, keto "Just don't make it because it sucks." And I'm like, "Okay, sorry." But anyway, I was sitting there picking crabs and eating crabs, and I was like, "We don't really have anything like this." And then I was like, "Wait a minute, I think I heard of this thing called." a low country boil. And I think it might be kind of like this. And so I literally, I went home, that was in May. 
and I knew we had our Father's Day trip in June, I went home and I found Trisha Yearwood's <laughs> Low Country Boil recipe, and That's I was probably like, "Probably pretty. Legit. We're doing it." And so this has now been—it's been a tradition now for the last six years. So, um, and it's really easy. But after the after the ribs, I was like nervous. What if I mess up the boil? Everybody <laughs> will notice how sucky my meal is after we had such a delicious lunch. So I can give you the quick uh, <clears throat> the quick recipe. Yeah, the rib recipe. Give it to us, and then we'll easiest ribs ever, ever. So you're going to be doing them in the oven. Uh, I typically do two racks of ribs on the same, the same. It's not a cookie pan. It's, you want a little bit of a lip to whatever pan yeah, you use. Yeah, like because a roasting pan. Yeah. Something with sides. I don't think that the, I've done it with high sides and like medium sides or kind of low sides. As long as you have enough to keep the juices from like catching your oven on fire, you're good. But you take, say, two two racks of ribs. Pork ribs. Pork ribs, baby back ribs. And you want to take the membrane off. If nobody's done it, this is the most important thing. And it's super satisfying. It's like peeling a sunburn. And the easiest way to do it is to... So you want to wear rubber gloves because something about the raw pork, it'll stain your hands. And I've heard it can even poison you, but I don't know what. It's like well something. I don't know. I've been told that worms live in pork. Like, that that's why you have to cook it, like, really, really well done. Like, it can't be, you can't have, like, rare right. raw pork. It has to be, like, done, done. The easiest way to get the membrane off is to wear rubber, like, kitchen gloves and then use a paper towel. Like, cut, sometimes you'll see, yeah, like, you if you get it from a butcher shop or, or other places, they'll actually cut the membrane down the center. Um, the, don't make the mistake I made one time of like trying and trying and trying and trying to find it and to, and be like, I guess they took it off for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, as, as far as I know, they never take it off for you. So get the membrane off and then you want to, you want to put, um, put extra virgin olive oil, brush that onto both sides of the meat, the top of the top and the bone side. And then do any kind of dry rub that you want. Um, I use, is it cumin or cumin? I say cumin, but I okay. don't know if that's right. So I use cumin and then uh, garlic salt and black pepper. What else did I use? Crap, it's my recipe. Was there like a thyme or rosemary or yeah, I did. Some, yeah, I think it was thyme. Herby. Yeah, something, you can use any kind of, any kind of uh, just like herb to sprinkle on. Some and then herbish. onion, and then and then onion, just like dried onion um, bits. Powder or, or powder. flakes? Uh, probably either way would be fine. Okay. So you put that on both sides. Um, after putting the Evo on it, so it sticks to it, and then put it put it meat side up, so bone side down, and then wrap it in tin foil and set your oven to two hundred degrees. And once it's ready, you, you stick these the the ribs in the pan covered. Um, I guess on the middle rack, somewhere in the middle of the oven, for seven and a half hours at 200 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm, so good. And after seven and a half hours, you pull you pull them out, take the foil off, baste them with barbecue sauce, stick them back in, put them on broil for five minutes or until it caramelizes the, the barbecue sauce, and you have a legit fall-off-the-bone baby back ribs that take like 15 minutes total to, to cook. Yes. Yeah. Like prep time. You very will very easy. Make all of your family members extremely happy. No, n there was nobody that didn't eat them. Yep. And that was with four kids, four kids in the mix. Everybody ate them, 
and enjoyed them. They and were so, so, so well. good. And vegetarians. And, and a semi-vegetarian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> good sport. A nearly pescatarian. Ooh, pescatarian. Um, you fish, like that? Fish, fish I think. Yeah. yeah, I think. And there's another one. There's like an ovo, ovo, lacto-ovotarian, and they That's eat chicken strange. eggs. Lacto-ovo eats eggs and milk, huh. I think. The more you know. <laughs> Thank you morning. for attending our TED Talk. <laughs> yes. um, Was well, there anything else you want to say? You think of anything else? Probably, but I can't. Okay. I well, can't this is just the first it. time you've been on the podcast. There yeah. will be more. Yeah, I'll piss more people yeah. off later. <laughs> I can't wait to get the emails. Please send emails to... <laughs> <laughs> What's your email address? No, I'm kidding. Yours. Oddlyadulting at gmail.com. You can log your complaints with the manager. <laughs> mm, they're They're legit. I'm not the producer well I mean uh, Dustin is a producer of the show so please feel free he would love to hear any and all feedback Um, I was told that uh, I done messed up by having my dad on the podcast because people liked him better than me so I have high hopes that I'll get the similar similar feedback on you oh I got it Um. (laughs) oh yeah and if anybody wants a patent on something just forget it don't do it Yeah, Don't do we it. never really did circle back pit. to that, but it is patenting something. We, that'd be a whole show in That's itself. A, we should do a whole show on that, and then you can tell me. Are you at liberty to talk about your patents? Yeah, like, if, you, if about it's about pat- your inventions and yeah, stuff. It, once it's patented, okay, cool. you can talk about it. All right, so ep- episode number two um, with Dustin will be all about patents and what he is patented to do. Um, How many vehicles I could have bought? As opposed to doing all this. And, oh, and I've made zero dollars. I've only can, spent money on it. I've, n- I've not made a dime. You can say you did. Yeah, it's and great. And that's worth something. It's worth something. <laughs> well, if you've made it all the way to the end of this, you know what I'm about to say. But before I say that, I'm going to say that you can find me on Instagram at Oddly Adulting. You can send me an email Um oddlyadulting at gmail.com. You can stream the podcast from the website, oddlyadulting.com, or you can find it on any of the podcast apps. I think you can. I haven't actually tested that theory. Um, Where do you find it? Apple uh, Podcasts? uh, Tune in. Tune in. Okay. Mm. I know know it's supposed to be on the the big ones. Um, Chris Chris did all that. I don't really, I don't know about all that part, but... um, and obviously, if you want to donate, if uh, if this was worth something to you, and you enjoyed hearing Dustin's take on multiple different things, um, feel free to send a donation. It's easy to do. You just go to the website, and there's a donate now. Go straight to PayPal. And if you do so, and your name is included on the donation, which so far all of them have been, you too will become producer of the Oddly Adulting podcast, and you'll get to hear your name spoken into the void. Woohoo! Wee. Um, so. I appreciate I appreciate you. Thank you. Just in general, but Oh, you too. Thanks for producing the podcast My and pleasure. being on it with me. Um and if you made it all the way to the end of this, you know what I'm gonna say. I love ya. And Jesus does too. <laughs> you have anything you wanna add? Nope. Okay. Bye. Bye. Oddly adulting is not yet supported by White Claw. A drink that tastes like TV static with someone in the next room screaming out the flavor. Also, not yet supported by ButcherBox. Call now and receive a free pound of chitlins. (laughs) Bye! Bye.
The intro music is by Kevin McLeod. Winner, winner. <laughs>